0: Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an Ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for Not Parent Expected or Non-Paternal Event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode twenty-seven, where today I am talking to Travis. Hi, Travis. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this today.
1: Uh, glad to do it, and uh, excited that you have this venue to be able to help uh, people that are going through this.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you. And I know we were just talking about how how did you find this podcast? And you you said you think maybe you you saw it on on a comment thread or someone talking about NPE podcasts, right?
1: Yeah, on uh, one of the uh, private Facebook groups, uh, saw it on a comment, and then went to uh, search for it and found it, and have taken the time over the course of the last couple of months to. Uh, listen to all of them. And uh, it's been interesting to for me to hear, obviously, every story is unique and different. And we all have our own different ways we approach it. But there's so many common threads, I think, in this circumstance that um, it, it's always informative and educational for me to kind of see other people's perspective.
0: Oh yeah, me too. I get so much out of listening to everyone's individual story, and um, today we're going to hear yours. So thank you for doing this, and if you're ready, let's go ahead and get you started from the beginning, so we can find out a little bit more about your original family and what your childhood was like.
1: You bet. So I was, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the story, um, you know, as if it was still true. Um, you know, that's the one interesting thing about this is your entire identity changes. And it, it almost is really hard to, um, it's hard to convey to people because you've been telling your life story in a certain way, in my case for 45 years. And, uh, and when that changes, it's, um, it's sometimes difficult to describe. So I'm going to try to Speak to it as if it were still true, and how I always would tell my story, um, which is that I was I was uh, raised in a single uh, by a single mother, um, and uh, my brother and I have a, a brother who was um, about three years older than I. Uh, my parents divorced when I was about um, nine months old, and I never knew uh, never knew my father. Um, I met him once when I was about 10 years old. Um, We grew up in a small town. Um, We moved to another state whenever I was about eight, uh, eight and a half years old. And so I grew up really in two small towns in different states. Um, Again, raised in a uh by a single mother who struggled to be able to provide for her kids, um her two boys. Um we uh, you know the interesting thing about my brother and I is that people would always remark about how we looked nothing alike. And um the story always was that I look like my mom and he looks like uh like our dad. And it you know i have blonde hair and light skin and um my my mom is fair and and light skinned and both have blue eyes and my brother is dark hair and kind of olive you know skin and um we would always it, to the point that we would always joke about it that we had you know that um we would joke about you know that as we would introduce ourselves to people if we were together that um that the only Thing we had in common was our hand size, and so we would show we, we had the same size hands, but literally nothing else physically would you be able to tie us together in in any way. And uh, so it was kind of a running joke, and and I would say my brother and I are uh, very much different people from a character personality, uh, from a characteristic or personality standpoint as well. We grew closer in adulthood, um, having a chance to. Uh, be roommates in college and uh, grew closer in adulthood. But as kids, we didn't really get along, didn't have the same interests. Um, And and I would say in a lot of ways, that's still true. And uh, so all growing up through my childhood, uh, my mother struggled to be able to provide for us. She worked two and three jobs at different times to be able to um, support us. And having not had a father um in my life i didn't really know anything different people would ask me as a teenager you know what's it like not having a uh, not having a dad i never really knew how to ask, how to answer that question and it almost never really even occurred to me i just didn't know anything different i didn't realize i was missing anything until probably uh you know my later um teen years you know, I've always considered the job that she did to be pretty remarkable and that my brother and I are very much maybe an exception to the norm for how um, uh, what is often the case with, you know, those raised in a single parent home. Uh, My brother's a doctor. Um, I've had a um, successful uh, career in healthcare and, um, you know, consider the job that she did to keep us focused and Driven and all of that to be, uh, you know, to be pretty remarkable. And, and yet, when I, you know, look back at you know my feelings all growing up, were, um, you know, very much that I just felt like I was out of place. Um, I lacked a lot of self confidence until my older teenage years. Um, my personal faith, it, you know, really played a large role in helping me with my self-confidence. But I did feel out of place um, all through it really in a lot of ways throughout my life just felt like um, there was a way that I just didn't belong. And even though in my mind, you know, I I was always told growing up again that I looked like my mother um, and yet I was... I didn't feel like I was anything like her. Um, and I, it was hard for me to sort of reconcile why I was the way I was. Um, and, uh, my brother is very different from me. Um, as I mentioned before and, uh, just had a lot of kind of self doubt a little bit in, uh, in a lot of ways. And, um, in spite of that, uh, you know, I, you know went to um you know went on and have had a uh just a wonderfully blessed um life and uh and have uh, a beautiful wonderful wife uh, who's been very supportive through this entire process and four wonderful kids and uh so um, that's a little bit about my my childhood
0: well it sounds like uh you and your brother turned out pretty great. And your mom did a good job with you guys.
1: She did. Um, I think there's a lot uh, a lot to be said, um, which is part of what makes this situation really um, difficult. Because in some ways, some of the feelings that I'll describe, you know, maybe later that I have toward her are difficult to reconcile because I have, you know, a lot of respect for um, her and the job that she did and, you know, in raising us. So with the discovery, that's what was amazing with that is immediately it just made sense. You know, some people talk about questioning it and calling up, you know, whether it was Ancestry or whatever the tool was that they used. And I immediately knew it was true.
0: How did you find out you were an NPE?
1: So um, my wife had got me a uh, 23andMe for Christmas in, uh, Christmas of 20, um, 2017. And, um, I, I will say just a few months before that we moved to another, uh, to another state from where we were, um, and gotten a new job. And, um, that Christmas she bought me the 23 and Me, and more for the health, um, aspects to it. And, uh, she thought she knew that I would enjoy it and like it. And, So I took it and, uh, got my results back and everything was fine. I, again, I was more interested in the health and sort of the genetic history there of kind of where you come from. And I looked all at that. I spent a lot of time with it. And, um, I would say who I understood to be my father, that side of the family didn't necessarily, um, have a great reputation and, um, I wasn't really interested in kind of looking at family that you're related to. And I remember uh, giving the permissions for that and kind of looking at it. And I just didn't, I wasn't that inquisitive about it. I, it didn't, uh, what didn't interest me all that much. Mm -hmm. And so I continued to access the app every now and then just looking at updates that would happen with health history and all of that. And um, what I didn't know was my brother um, decided to do 23andMe as well um, that following summer, uh, summer of 2018. And so uh, it was actually one year to the day um, that we moved to the new um, state where we moved to that he, he texted me and said, Hey, I did 23andMe. I um, sent you an invite to connect, but I don't, I don't see our information And you know, you know how to use this, and so I quickly texted him back. And I was actually driving in my car. I can vividly remember this. You know, some things just get etched in your memory in very permanent ways, and this did. And so I texted him back as I was driving and said, "Uh, "Hold on, Um, yeah, I I know how to use the app. I'll I'll get in and walk you through it." And so I went into the app and I loaded it and did the DNA, you know, connections. And I see him there, and I open it up, and it says uh, that our predicted genetic relationship is is half-brother. And I immediately texted him back and said, uh, hey, I think this says we have different fathers. Can you talk? (laughs) And um, I was just actually coming home. I was pulling into my driveway, and into the garage and at the same time as I was texting him and kind of waiting for his response back before I would call him and my wife was home and so she was there and I said you know look at this and you know we were talking you know back and forth my wife and I and and how I described a few minutes ago I, it I never questioned it it I, I immediately told my wife I said this this just makes sense it makes sense of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was almost happy and gratifying in a way is how I would describe it. Um, and, and I will say my initial reaction was much more of a kind of a happy feeling to some extent. And that might not be the right word exactly, but it was not devastating news for me. Um, it made sense. So I got on the phone with my brother and, uh, we started talking and, and, uh, you know, I think we both, you know, I try to use humor to kind of diffuse situations and, and, um, thankfully he and I have a close enough relationship that, you know, I mentioned earlier that he and I didn't, we didn't really get along, um, until our later years in life, um, in adulthood and when we both had families and we've really had have grown close, but one of the first things he said to me within five minutes of our conversation is he said, wow, I always knew you were a bastard. And, and we just laughed out loud, Lily, like it was. So, so I, I'm describing that everybody reacts differently to this. And so what I'm saying is my reaction was I was not devastated. It just was like, it made sense. Yeah. It was sort of a relief in a way. And he said that and I laughed and I thought it was funny. And, and I still think it's funny. (laughs) You know, it's, it was, uh, but, you know, of course, when the, when that sort of emotion wears off, um, it started, you know, started to become more real, um, as far as what this meant. And, uh. I went through, um, eight days and I realized this is a blessing. Um, and, and by the way, I, the way I would describe my entire situation is, is challenging as it continues to be in a lot of different ways. My outcome is, uh, is, has been a blessing, um, in, in so many different ways for me, just the knowledge and awareness of it, um, has been a blessing for me, but eight for eight days. And so I recognize that a lot of people, they're, they're, parent, or they, they can't find who their biological father is. And, and, uh, I, you know, I, I should, and do feel blessed that it was only eight days, but for eight days, I didn't know who my father was. And my brother and I went back and forth all week long. Um, you know, who was around us as kids, uh, just trying to think of who it might be. And, um, we kept, you know, just kind of, thinking of different uh, scenarios and possibilities and to the point where it was, I was just starting to really spiral um, in in terms of just, I mean, we started to concoct just crazy theories um, Lily, about who it could be to the point of my, my uncle, my mother's brother was, was murdered whenever I was about six months old. And so we actually concocted a theory that what if my father, biological father was my uncle's murderer. I, you know, like these are the things that like play tricks with your head. And that was about a week into this. And so it was a Friday night and I texted my brother and my, my mother lives close to him about six hours away. And I texted him and we had talked about getting together with my mother and asking her, like it was going to be another month later. And I, I texted him and said, "I, I, I can't deal with it anymore I'm driving out tomorrow. Uh And um, so I got in my car that next day morning and we drove out to, to uh, essentially confront um, our mother with the news and, and to try to get information. And uh, you know, the, as everyone who's experiences this knows what, what this does to your understanding of your identity and who you are, and when you don't know, um, and there's just pure speculation, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, I very much believe it's a human right for all of us to know where we come from and who made us. And um, when you don't know that, it's very, I've always described as unmooring. And those eight days, it was just completely unsettling um, for me from that sort of high jokish initial reaction to the settling in on what this really meant for me. And, uh, you know, so, so I drove out and we went to meet with my, my mother and, uh, we explained to her that, you know, we had both taken this DNA test and it showed that we were half brothers. And so essentially I said, uh, I said that, you know, we took this test DNA test and, you know, mom, it shows that, um, that we're half brothers that, and, you know, we clearly know who, who uh, Eric's father is, you know, again, cause he looked just like him. There's no doubt. Um, and uh, you know, would you like to elaborate? And so I, then I just kind of shut up and, and uh, my mother in kind of classic ways over the next 30 minutes would continue to either change the subject or initially she kind of, well, she changed the subject and then we kept coming back to the, you know, your, your children, you know, your adult children are in front of you saying that, you know, saying what we're saying and, you know, we'd like, you know, some answers. And, and she, you know, laughed and said, that's what you came out here for. And she really was not, uh, Mm. you know, was not, coming around on this thing. And it was finally about 30 minutes uh, into the conversation and I was getting a little impatient. And finally, I can't remember what, what I said, but I, I said something where it was clear that, you know, my brother, who's a doctor, you know, he said, you know, mom, this is science, you know, this is, this is DNA. This doesn't, you know, DNA doesn't lie. Um, He actually kind of got a little scientific with her a little bit. And, And so then the words came out of her mouth, um, a little bit under her breath. And she kind of looked down and she said, I, I always knew this day would come. Mm. And I knew at that point that we were going to get somewhere, Mm -hmm. but it still took another 15 minutes for her to start talking about anything substantive and to not change the subject. And, um, all of that. So after about forty-five minutes, she um, told me his name, and uh, let me go back a little bit to my my journey here and what I think other people would empathize with is um, I had decided when I was a young adult that I wanted to try to connect with who I thought was my father, and and uh, uh, who I thought was my father um passed away in 2002, About six months before he passed away, um, we'd actually moved close to where he lived. And my wife went with me one rainy afternoon where I actually drove out to his address and I sat in his driveway or right on the street um trying to get up the courage to knock on his door. And because I just made a decision that I wanted to he'd never been in my life. I, you know, I just wanted I had a feeling of wanting to connect with him and I could not get out of the car. And six months later, he died and uh, died young um, in his fifties. And that was, it was heartbreaking for me. Um, And I went to his funeral and his, uh, his wife at the time, um, you know, I, I just wanted to, I sat in the back of the room And I listened to people talk about him. My mother knew that I was going to his funeral. Um, You know, I I went and tried to kind of learn who he was. And subsequent years since then, we're in our faith. We're very um, interested in family history and genealogy and all of that. And I uh, started doing a lot of work on my, uh, who I thought was my father's side of the family and I guess the picture I'm trying to paint is there were multiple occasions where in my twenties and thirties and into my forties, where there would have been multiple appropriate times for her to have shared this information. Yeah. Um, and there's a um, uh, polycystic kidney disease that runs on that side of the family. My brother and I both had fear that we had that, I certainly had no reason to fear that because he wasn't my father, as it turns out. And she knew that we were stressed about that and worried about that. And, uh, you know, so there are all sorts of things like that that and, you know, that I still, I think, uh, you know, have to uh, to reconcile. So back to that day, uh, you know, she disclosed his name and. The interesting thing about when she did is one it, it took her a while to say his name. She talked about it, but she wouldn't disclose his name and it's, it was clear to me, and she said something to the effect of um, that he has a family and that and he's alive. And um, it was clear to me that she was still she was protecting him. So you know, here I am, forty five years old. I don't know who my father is. It's clear he's alive and you know, she's hesitating to tell me who it is, um, wanting to protect him. And, and, uh, you know, it, I think that's something that, uh, I still struggle with just a little bit, even though it was momentary. Um, and she, she did, uh, you know, I think the the picture that it paints and where I, I have some sympathy for my mother is she, she never really dated again. And we never knew her. She never had any serious relationships. And, you know, it's, it's clear to me that, um, that, you know, this was a man that she was the love of her life. Um, and he was, uh, married with a family, um, and had three kids and, the two of them together decided that this was going to be a, a secret, and that they weren't going to tell anyone and uh, and they didn't. And uh, my biological father knew uh, of me from the time that my mother was was uh, was pregnant, and uh, that's how they decided to to handle it was to keep it a secret. And then here I was, you know, in front of her that day and, and, uh, you know, I think it's clear that, um, and she, she's told me as much, um, but you know, he was the, he was the love of her life and, um, and she couldn't, uh, um, you know, her, her marriage at the time that I, she got pregnant with me um they uh did divorce when i was about 9 months old um according to those that i trust um i think that knew of the situation i don't think they were a very good match um they were married for about 5 years and uh um their marriage was ending uh my biological father's marriage was not and uh, so they decided i was you know they were going to keep that secret as she told me his uh was telling me his name she used the phrase um the best policeman in town that was a descriptor that she i had that's always been with me from the time i was a young boy i remember her always referring to someone as you know that was in her life as the best policeman in town and not anyone that i ever met that she would always talk about um this person and later talking with my brother I asked him, you know, do you remember mom talking about the best policeman in town? And he said, you know, Travis, I've never heard that phrase before in my life. And so what's interesting to me is when she used that phrase to describe my father and how she always referred to him is I remember her always talking to me about the best policeman in town. And in her own way, I think that was um, her way of dealing with the secret is that she was in her mind telling me about him in some way without disclosing the secret. Um, so, uh, so I just, I think I thought it was interesting that she would have these separate conversations with me versus my brother about, you know, someone that was in, uh, you know, that was in her life. So, so we, uh, we left uh my mother's apartment and we had dinner and continued to talk and um a little bit more about it and uh you know immediately we found all sorts of information my uh my my father had uh a family had three children um he was a well-known very reputable man in a small town um had served as the chief of police, was the mayor, um, was the mayor at age 80, um, multi-generation family from that same town. And, uh, um, you know, was someone that, it was easy for me to find information about him online. He'd been given a lot of local awards for community service and community leadership, this and that, and um, was interesting.
0: Travis, so your, your biological father was literally the best policeman in town.
1: Was literally the best policeman in town. Yeah, yeah, he was the, um, and, uh, you know, that's what is interesting about this and, and, and I'll share a little bit more about getting to meet him and his family, but the interesting thing about it for me is, um, I, for whatever reason, um, he doesn't carry the same baggage in my mind for the secret and not being involved is what my mother does. And um, in spite of the fact that he knew I existed and never tried to intervene or help, you know, my mother or us, you know, growing up in some you know, pretty meager circumstances. Um, I clearly, as I was looking up information about him, I could tell that, the, the thing, things just kind of fell into place that made sense to me about why I am the way I am. And, um, that I was a lot of who I am, I inherited from him and it just became so clear to me. Um, and so, so that day, um, I, uh, when I found out his name, the first thing on my list and was, uh, I was not going to let, I mean, here, this, this man is alive. He was 85 years old and I was not going to let any time pass. Um, and so, um, I asked her to call him, um, because I wanted to set up a time to meet him. And, uh, I was, um, so I kept saying, you know, call, um, uh, call John, call John. And I could tell she was, you know, um, she's not somebody that is kind of quick to action, I guess. And, um, uh, on the word drive back home, um, that next day, um, you know, I was pretty emphatic with her that, you know, y- you need to call John. Um, and, uh, so I'll, I'll talk about that just a little bit in just a minute, but she, she did, um, which, you know, kind of teed up the opportunity for me to, to call him, but Within 24 hours, Lily, we had photographs. Um, his uh, his freshman high school yearbook. Somebody has put online, and um, we found a photograph of him uh, at uh, as a freshman in high school. And at that point, our third child was the same age, and we saw that picture, and I just my wife and I just gasped because it looked exactly like our our, uh, our son. And like, exactly like, and we texted, you know, my, my wife's family, they knew that what was going on and, and we just texted him a picture and said, you know, who does this look like? And everybody knew like, oh my gosh, that's Jackson. And, um, and then we, uh, we found another photograph, um, online. I connected through, uh, I can't remember where I found it, but it was the most um, eerie, rewarding, uh, all sorts of emotions um, rolled into one. But uh, I found a picture of my my grandfather, and I look exactly like him. I mean, it it was so weird. And all of my life, everybody had been describing me that I look like mom and my brother looks like dad. And what I've come to find out is, you know, I have fair skin and blonde hair and blue eyes, which my mother has, but we really don't look alike. I look like my grandfather. Hmm. And the connection, I think a lot of people that go through this, when you see photographs and, you know, you're, when you don't know where you come from, in a lot of ways, just your, your identity kind of disappears and seeing those photographs and seeing myself in photographs for the first time, it was absolutely, um, you know, indescribable. Um, so we found, um, so my father did not have a Facebook page, but, um, one of my now new siblings um passed away in uh in 2000 and uh 2007 so i have two i have a brother and sister still living and they you know have facebook pages and so you know for the course of you know a long period of time just looking in looking into their life and what they're doing and seeing pictures of my father um online and uh You know, he was interviewed on TV and I had a video clip of him and all of that because he kind of had some level of prominence in a small town, just amazing the amount of information that I was able to find out about him. Um, And so all of that was kind of rewarding because all growing up in some ways, you know, I'd understood that I was from a family that kind of had a bad reputation and, and I and that wasn't the case um, for me and it made sense for why again made sense for why I am the way I am and mm-hmm. it, it just answered a lot of questions for me
0: and have you you have you met him
1: so I have so that that same weekend when my mother told me um, who he was and I was very emphatic about her calling him and uh, she did and so so that he could be prepared for my phone call and uh that it wouldn't be totally out of the blue or whatever but um so I called him um so I found out my NPE discovery on a Friday and that following Saturday 8 days later is when I met with my mother and learned his name and that following Wednesday after that so less than 2 weeks I called him on the phone and talked to my father for the first time. And I was very clear. I wanted one thing out of that conversation. And All I wanted to do, I didn't really want to talk to him. I wanted to set a date and a time for us to meet in person. I, I wanted to learn about him and to really talk, not on the phone, but in person for whatever reason, that was just the way I wanted to do it. And so we had a fairly brief conversation on the phone and, determined a time that we could meet. And that following Monday, uh, we met for dinner. And uh, so that was two weeks and three days after learning uh, my my NPE discovery. I was sitting across the table from my father. You know, I walked in and he stood up. He was there first. Um, He stood up and he greeted me and he grabbed my hand and he kind of Pulled me over to to sit down, and and we had a just a wonderful ninety minute conversation that was um, that was awkward, that was emotional, that was funny, that was um, you know all sorts of things all rolled into one. And uh, here I thought my father was passed, and now here I was sitting across from my father and seeing a lot of me in him. um, It was one of the most remarkable, you know, clearly one of the most remarkable um, experiences of my life through the course of that conversation. And, you know, I, uh, I decided to record both the conversation with my mother um, when we, my brother and I confronted her and my conversation with my that first meeting with John, I wanted to record those conversations because I knew that there were going to be details in there that I would forget. I wasn't doing it from any kind of a – I was doing it from my own memory.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Just to kind of be able to listen to it again and to make sure I had information straight. I didn't know if I was ever going to hear this information again. Um,
0: what a great idea. And
1: yeah, I would recommend it to, to, I, I did not ask for permission in either case. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know what the law is in the state where I live. (laughs) Um, but, but I did it. I, I just walked in with the phone with the recorder on and, and I just did it. So, um, I would highly recommend that, um, to anyone because there's so many emotions rolled into this and, and yeah, I, I know I would remember certain things, but, um, I've gone back to listen to those things and, and I, I highly recommend it.
0: Um,
1: and we talked about a lot of things, um, you know, I think it was gratifying for him to know that, you know, the way I approached it was that, you know, my life had, I was blessed. Um, and I just, I wanted the connection. Um, and, uh, I did tell him that I was interested in meeting my uh, new brother and sister and uh, though the conversation went very well um, you know he made it clear that he uh, he wanted it to he, that he was fine for he and I to continue to meet and to talk and I thought that was great and we I wanted to do that but at that point he did not he did not want to uh, to talk to his family. He'd been married to his his wife for over fifty years, and she had passed. Um, some, uh, you know, at that point, um, this was uh, twenty eighteen. So she passed about seven years before, and uh, but you know, no one knew about me or my existence, and that was the way he wanted it to be, you know for, for that period of time. Um, we proceeded to have dinner, um, about six or seven times over the course of about nine months. Um, good conversations and we tell each other about ourselves a little bit and he continued to kind of build some trust in me. And finally last May, I confronted him a little bit more pointedly and, and, uh, asked him to to uh, introduce me to his kids and uh, to my brother and sister I told him that I recognized that I, what I was asking of him and that it wasn't a small thing um, I have empathy for that uh, and uh, but that you know I told him that I thought that it would uh, bring his life to kind of full circle mm-hmm. um, and that I thought it would uh, you know I, I really was just honest with him I said that I you know I think this will be um, you know, allow you to kind of complete, um, uh, a circle for your life. And, uh, I think it's important for you and I know it's important for me. And, uh, we ended up, so, so he, uh, he said he wanted to think about it. And I said, I would give him that time. And we talked again, a few, a couple of months later, as I was giving him some time to think about it. And, you know, I, I finally talked to him and I said, um, I said, you know, you really have four choices here, um, John and, and talking with your family. And I I was trying not to pressure him too much, but, but I was not going to continue going through my life knowing I have a brother and a sister that don't know about me. And so I, I was, uh, you know, just kind of walked him through and I said, you know, John, there's four ways this can go and go down. Uh, I said, you can, you can tell this story yourself and you can, you know, um, Uh, Talk to your kids and tell them about me, or I can um, and they can learn it that way. Or I can ignore your wishes and I can just contact them myself. Mm -hmm. Or I can honor your wishes and I can I can wait until you're you've passed and then I can you know show up in their life. Mm -hmm. Or one of the things I said the very first time we met is I said you know John at some point someone is going to take this test that is going to know that I don't fit in being a close relative. And so that was the fourth thing I said, I said, or, or John, somebody's going to take this thing. And, and I I said, there's only one of those four scenarios that allows you to be able to tell your story the way you want to Mm -hmm. in full context in, in in your time without someone coming to you. And uh, I could tell the next time we talked after that, that, he was going to do it. He was just looking for the right time. In, in the meantime, um, someone did take the test, um, that reached out to me and said, I can't figure out how you're, how we're related. Oh, funny! And, uh, so it did kind of happen that way a little bit. And I ended up talking to her on the phone. I asked her if I could talk, you know, could call and, uh, talk with her. And she said, uh, she said, yes. And so we talked and, I told her everything and it turns out that she's a first cousin once removed, So she's the daughter of of a first cousin. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I told her that I had been meeting with, um, you know, with, with him and that I felt like, you know, it would be best for the family if they learned it from him. And I felt like that was really going to happen and asked her if she could, you know, respect that. And, and she, you know, was, we had a great conversation and, she's turned out to, I've not met her in person yet and I can't wait to, but she really was a lifeline for me for about six weeks before, from the time she and I connected until my father um, talked with his family. And uh, it was really great because I, at first I was asking her to keep this in confidence until, you know, he could talk with his family. And by the getting closer to the end of those six weeks, it was a little more like she was kind of talking me off the ledge. Cause I was like, you know, I was trying to push her forward at that point. Cause I wasn't sure if he was <laughs> ever really going to find this, this, you know, supposed right time. But, yeah. Um, but he did. And so on Labor Day, he got his, this last Labor Day, he got his family together and, um, he told them and, uh, that same night, um, like I said, they're all from the same small town. All their kids still live there. Um, so his grandchildren all live there. And so my brother and sister got all of their family together that same night on Labor Day and told them. And I found out about that from this cousin who told me that next day that that my brother and sister got their family together and told them, and I can't tell you how gratifying that like what that did I I I was in my office at work when she texted me that and I just cried because I, I wasn't a secret anymore. And uh, so much of the emotions that go through this is part of it is, um, you know, being a secret is just not, uh, you know, um not okay and uh, and so knowing that you know not only did my father finally share with his family but I didn't know how they were going to react and the fact that they disclosed to their family immediately said a lot to me about who they are the kind of people that they are and the kind of reception that I was going to get so about 2 weeks later we found a time to get together and uh So we planned a time, my wife and I went to my father's, uh, home and I met my, uh, my, my brother and his wife and my sister, um, and there in my, uh, father's living room. And, uh, you know, I, uh, walked through the door and my, I've been a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. And my father actually is a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. And I learned through social media that my Brother was a Reds, Cincinnati Reds fan, and I wore a Cardinals shirt, sort of intentionally to sort of break the ice. Um, and I walked in, and he immediately reacted to that and kind of laughed, and <laughs> and uh, uh, we kind of bantered about that for just a minute. And I told him this was 13 months after I had learned who they were, and I kind of again back to the kind of using humor to diffuse awkwardness a little bit as one of the first things that came out of my mouth was I said, you know, I've been stalking you people for 13 months on social media. Um, And uh, and we all just kind of laughed and we sat in that living room for about two or three hours and um, I uh, saw family photographs and we talked and they showed me some additional photographs of my grandfather that I look a lot like and they handed me a collage that they had put together of some pictures that they had found of me online and my grandfather and put them side by side into a collage and they handed it to me along with another picture of my grandfather that I hadn't seen and I just cried.
0: That is so sweet. Um,
1: So uh, that evening my brother invited my wife and I to go out to dinner with they were meeting with he and his wife were meeting with some friends and he introduced me to two of his close friends and told them the situation and you know what what that did for me, you know, Lily, again back to what makes these situations so emotionally challenging is being a secret. And immediately I wasn't a secret anymore and someone wasn't trying to hide me. And they were a prominent family. Everybody knows. My brother's on the city council. My father was the mayor. In the time since then, I, I know from immediately that they're still having a hard time with the understanding that their father cheated on their mother.
0: Sure.
1: We've met since a few, you know, a few times and you know, I think they had a sense for, you know, how I grew up and some of the challenges there. And I think, you know, they're still kind of dealing with that. Um, which I empathize with and, and understand. And, you know, I just come back down to, uh, you know, I've continued to meet with my father separately and my brother and sister and I were, were we are my new brother and sister and I are planning a get together again. in in, uh, in a month, all of that is still being worked out. Um, and everybody's kind of figuring out how to deal with it. But at the end of the day, they've, they've been as welcoming as I think you can, expect this is all i'm 18 months into the this revelation they're only about five months into this revelation and still dealing with it and uh um, i give them a lot of credit for how they've handled it and uh you know, all i know is i have a brother and a sister that i didn't know and i know enough just kind of gut reaction that a lot of who i am comes from that genetic connection And, um, you know, I mentioned that I learned of my, uh, NPE status one year to the day after we moved, we moved to the same state where they live and I've lived out West most of my adult life. And now we've moved to the Midwest to the same state where they are and they live two hours down the road. Wow. And I don't consider that a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, uh, you know, my faith plays into how this is all laid out, uh, played out. And, um, as much as I still have a hard time with, uh, you know, I, I should have known about this sooner. My mother should have, you know, shared this with me sometime between the ages of, in my mind, sometime between the ages of 16 and 25. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I give some latitude, I guess, to being a secret and not wanting to break up a family. Um, I'm not saying that's right, but um, I understand it. Um, but in spite of that fact that, and I still am dealing with that with my mother of um, that whole situation and, and I, you know, so many people that have kind of their stories with their mother, I, I share a lot of those that, you know, I still think that maybe she feels judged for the, her actions, and that's not it at all for me. It's, it's the not knowing who my father was and her having all these opportunities to share with me where it could have helped me to know who I am and understand more about me. And that's what I have a problem with. And, yeah. and her not even, I mean, the first four days where I knew, you know, she never reached out to say, how are you? Or it was all about kind of her side of this. And, yeah. um, that said, I think that there's a divine part of this for me that doesn't seem accidental. I've gotten a lot about out of hearing other people share their stories, and uh, I'm glad that you have this podcast. I think it's important for us to, as I said, everyone's circumstances are different, and I've had this wonderful, beautiful outcome so far, and uh, everyone's not that lucky, and I understand that. There's so many common threads that run through this. I think others just kind of knowing the struggle and the emotional challenges with identity and secrets. And, and, um, I, I think is helpful for all of us to, to learn and to grow and to understand our situation. And so I, I really appreciate you doing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: When we were in my father's living room, when I met my brother and sister for the first time, I, it's indescribable, the feeling of, looking at my father and seeing the burden lifted off of his shoulders of us being together and having that conversation and it not being a secret for him anymore. Um, the, the tears in his eyes and just the clear, um, burden lifted off of his shoulders was so evident. And, um, that makes me so happy because I, I, uh, I forgive all of that, with him. And um, that helped me a lot in my own journey through this, to see that burden lifted off of his shoulders and, you know, to hug him and to feel that um, burden lifted off his shoulders. Um, That was such a wonderful outcome that day for me, in addition to meeting my brother and sister and that whole transformational aspect of it. I was so happy for my, for my father.
0: Wow. You've really had some blessings come out of this, and I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thanks again to Travis for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.